Thank you so much. <clears throat> you know, the older I get, the easier it seems to cry. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's all the years of pent-up tears, and they finally, you know, can't, they have to come out. But that song, I mean, that last little chorus, like, ooh, you know. So if that doesn't make you already a little emotional, <clears throat> I'm going to play. Those of you who may not know it, I have a Ph.D. in YouTube. And I think to get a PhD, you have to read a lot, watch a lot, and then publish. You know, I mean, that's to be for faculty. But in any event, I spent a lot of time on it. Uh, I, I think that there are a lot of creative people. I know there's a lot of bad stuff out there. But um, this I found this week, supposedly, and I will argue because I like commercials, I like TV, this one claimed that it was the best commercial ever. So let's see. Salut papa, joyeux Noël. If you didn't read that little line, this Christmas is much more than technology. Christmas is more than technology. And commercials to me are, as so many, they're so good you forget what they were advertising, right? I mean, obviously a phone, I don't even know the brand didn't catch it. It's a European commercial. Uh, but it promoted a relationship. And if you can tie that into this Advent wreath, and Pierce did a great job of introducing us. Some of us, uh, Advent was very foreign to your church background. Some of you, it was an integral part that each candle, you might understand, has a different representation. And in many churches, they change from year to year, you know, whether it be the wise man's candle, the shepherd's candle, Mary's candle. Sometimes it's hope, faith, love, and joy, those different types of things. But that is the mechanism that we hold on to or that you can hold on to, not, not hold on to the wreath, but to remember what we celebrate in December. I mean, some of you have already gotten your Christmas ornaments out, right? Come on, put, I know Pierce sets his up like the 4th of July. Well, how many of you got a tree up already? Oh, several, okay. D and did you pull out some ornament that was like, you know, a hand-me-down that was your mom's or grandma's or, or maybe your childhood created it, it was a handmade one, you know? Uh, throw away the old popcorn, okay? But 
we have some that have kids' pictures on them, those kind of things. So those are things that you hold on to the memory because it brings so much joy to you. And Christmas is more than a memory. It is a relationship. It is an understanding that God loved us so much that he sent this promised Savior for us. But the theme of Advent continues on that that Savior that came to the world is coming back again. And that those of us who have placed our faith in him will have life eternal with him in glory. And uh, Cynthia, do you have purple on too? Thank you. Those of you who know it's the first Sunday of Advent, I am wearing purple. Last, week, last year, I sported purple every Sunday. But somehow, some of those shirts don't fit like they used to. So I don't know how many Sundays I'll have purple on, but there we go. Um, and I wrote these things down. Just a reminder as we get ready to, to, to hold on to this focus of Christmas, Advent reminds us that we are not the center of the universe. Because it is so easy to get that way at Christmas, isn't it? Advent reminds us of generations of saints that were looking for a Savior and generations that continue that have waited for the return of the Savior. Advent, I think, slows us down. It teaches us patience. Advent fortifies the promises of God that Jesus is coming again. So, it's easy to get caught up with the shopping, the decorations, parties, and we lose sight of the baby in the manger. So today I ask you to hold on to Jesus. And that's the title for this morning, Hold On. We'll jump right back into the text of John 8 that we've been in, John, since the beginning of the year. But we'll pick up at verse 31 of the 8th chapter, where many, in verse 30, even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. And then we'll take off in verse 31, if I get my glasses out of my pocket. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, we'll come back to that word. In the Greek, that word is logos. If you will hold, abide, if you will dwell in the word, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you Everybody, and the truth will set you free. There you go. They answered him. You could almost say we are Americans and have never been slaves of anyone. That's the attitude they had. We are Abraham's descendants. How? And have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. There's that logos again. I am telling you what I have seen in the father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. Jesus says, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do this, the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. 
And in the verses to come, we'll say, you'll find that he alludes to that their father is the devil. But in verse 41, or the rest of that, they say, we are not illegitimate children, perhaps striking at Jesus' own mother and father situation. They protested, we are not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at a text that has some of the most famous verses we've ever uh, read, to think about the truth and the truth setting us free and the fact that we are your children and the descendants of Abraham. Lord, there is so much history, so much, at times, entitlement that some of us read into this. But Jesus reminds us that if we live in sin, we are slaves to it. And apart from him, there will be death and destruction and separation from the Father. So help us to hold on to him today. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're ever in the car with somebody and they say, hold on, what does that mean? It's not hold my beer. I've heard that one before too. Watch this. You know, no, no. Hopefully a Baptist, you've never heard that before. I, I, I read that as a YouTube. I probably saw that in research. But usually if someone says hold on, it's because they're either shooting across the intersection or they're trying to make the red light or the yellow light last. Uh, you know, they're doing something crazy. And I think, uh, Irma, that's probably what I was going to tell you on Friday night. I think that you and your husband... Uh, I, I don't think I cut you off last week from church, but I was trying to get to eat somewhere, and my, I was driving my wife's car, and that little thing, it can bark the tires at about 35 miles an hour. I mean, it is amazing, and I, once I did it once, I just kept doing it, and I think I saw, I thought it was your car, I don't know, it was a church member, I'm pretty sure that I like, darted in front of, because, you know, nothing gets between a preacher and, and the chicken, so I, I, was, I was headed for lunch, but as it was, I think it was Indian food that day. But um, Jesus is saying, hold on to me, for he's coming again. So there are volumes written about verses 30 and 31. Um, I read to this past week one commentator who listed five different theories because you notice there's a different way that John writes. He says, even as he spoke, talking about Jesus, many put their faith in him. And they see a difference in how he says it in verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him. And saying there's a difference in believing in and just believing him. And I think, I boil it down to, in the context, no, Jesus has got these people who have believed in him, and now he's trying to explain how to abide in him. And by that, he says, abide in the word. So this is going to be a simple one today. If you have your Bibles, once again, if you hold to my teaching, or abide is another way. That, um, minnow is that Greek word for hold, or stay, or teach, or, or linger. Uh, not teach, but it is to hold on, to stay placed in the Word. So that's our first point. Go back to John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the was with God, and the was God. So John drops a bombshell, if you will, to introduce Jesus. Boom! 
Yeah, it's a mic drop. I don't do that very often. But that's, that's what he's saying. Wow, this is who Jesus is. He is the one who created. He's the one who redeems. He is the one who sustains. In him came both the light and life and the way of the Lord, the world. It all came through God the Father, and the Father and the Son are one. So we're still getting the reverberations of that bomb that was dropped in chapter 1, even here now in chapter 8. He's saying you must abide in my teachings, as my NIV says, or King James, I think, says, actually, just, I'm looking now, Ed, is it in my word? In King James? New King James or Old King James? The, you, got a, you don't have one of the new ones. Okay. I thought I'd read this week. So, in any event, it, it, the proper word for logos is the word. And I know there are different ways to define the word word because Jesus used words to speak, but he was the living word. He is saying in this, abide in me. Hold on to me. Don't depart. Continue to be present with me, and you will know the truth. Now, that's pretty easy, but sometimes it gets hard to hold on, right? Guess I'm just talking to a bunch of people out there. I don't know. Well, I, I know it does, or this church would be full. We would have the multiple services that we were ready to start right prior to COVID. Because I think people have let go, and they have a tendency to let go. In fact, you don't know, I, I went through, Dan knows this, because he came to my office this morning, and I went through like four different versions of this sermon. First, I wanted to call it fickle faith, because we are fickle people. Man, I am a believer around December 25th. I am a believer right around Palm Sunday and Easter. Man, I am a believer. But the rest of the time, hmm. Then I wanted to call it something like entitled because so many of us identify more with these children of Abraham because we think, and you can fill in the blank, we deserve, we are blessed because of us, not because of him. Hmm. So I think it's hard to hold on to some things because we hold on to the wrong things. We hold on to dangerous things. We hold on to the sinful things that will kill our witness and damage our soul. One more video just because I'm in the YouTube mode today. Last one of the day, I promise. You guys find that one? It's coming. She thought it was just a cute little baby octopus she was handling, and she put a video of it on TikTok. And only then did she find out that that cute critter is one of the most deadly animals in the ocean. One bite, and you could be dead in minutes. Wow. How adorable. What a cute little guy. I saw it in the water, and I thought, you know, my initial reaction was to just pick it up. And then you find out that little tiny creature could have killed you and over 20 people. Talk about a shocker. Kaylin Phillips had no idea the creature from the sea she and her friends were passing around on a beach in Bali is one of the deadliest on the planet. Let's eat it. No, don't say that. <laughs> okay, you I posted the picture on my Instagram it, story, and I got it. We do things like that, though. We put things and we hold on to things that will consume us and pull us away 
from Jesus. So we hold on to the wrong things, or we try to hold on to too many things. Today, kids, especially if you're in here, well, most of them are probably over there. Uh, if your mom will get, let you get to the eggs that you have in the refrigerator, see how many eggs you can hold in one hand successfully. Paul, why are you shaking your hand? You're not taking that mess up? Exactly. I mean, well, if you got a dog, maybe, you don't know. But most times, about four is the average hand. I don't know. Uh, John Briley's got, he shakes my hand, his hand wraps around mine. He could probably hold it. I could hold a dozen in one, as long as it's in the case, right? And that's, and that's another way that we think about things. Well, you know, as long as I have these things compartmentalized, I can hold more and more. But Jesus is saying, not, don't hold on. Don't compartmentalize those things. Hold on to me. Hold on first to me, to my teachings, to all that I am trying to pour into you. He's challenging their thinking. He says that your hope for your freedom is not in your ancestry. Your hope is in the action of the Son of God. His death, his resurrection, and his ascension into glory with the Father. Paul writes of Abraham's faith. You know, they, they kept claiming that they were like Abraham. But really, Abraham's faith is uh, spelled out for us. If you have your Bibles, I'll turn quickly and see how much time I've got. I don't want to go too long. I don't have this in the, uh, the slides today. Galatians 3. Paul writes, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. His faith in God brought about righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Okay, I got that. These guys are saying just because they've done a, you know, 23andMe or DNA search and they, they, hey, I'm a child of Abraham, therefore I must be forgiven. No. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Jesus is saying, hold on to the faith of Abraham, not on to your family tree. Hold on, stay with me, abide in the word, and that word is Jesus. Next we see truth, and that comes from that 31st verse. If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth, in Jesus says, is that Abraham, if he was your father, you wouldn't be doing the things that you're currently doing. Abraham was a man of faith, not a man of vengeance. He was a man open to God's word. Most of you know the story of Abraham, right? Um, Genesis 22. Here's this guy, 90 years old or so, and he finally gets this, this baby. Uh, you know, could you imagine having a child at 90? Look at my mom. She's going to be real close to that next year. How would you like to have a baby right now? Oh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and, well, but you got to put it in context. If, you, if you've never had one and you've always wanted one and all of a sudden now when you get 90, you'd be so excited about it and then this baby grows and this little boy comes, you know, you're tag along doing everything with you. And then God tells you, 
to take that little boy that you've waited so long for and take him up on the hillside over there and uh, sacrifice him. That's just, I know some of you, well, maybe you would understand. Oh, I would be faithful just like Abraham. No. Jesus says in verse 40, I have told you the truth and you're determined to kill me. The way of Abraham is a, in that story I tried to share with you just briefly, is foreshadowing. Abraham says God will provide to his son. God will provide. And he does provide a sacrifice. You know, there was a ram stuck in the thicket there, and that became the sacrifice versus Isaac. And Jesus is alluding to, I think, and as we can read it with, with 2,000 years of hindsight, he is showing us that he too will be that sacrifice for us. As Abraham would offer up in faith his one and only, God offers up his one and only for you and I. That through faith in him, faith like Abraham, we might have life eternal with him. Jesus, and I know I'm getting ahead, he says, you know, because we're in chapter 8, chapter 14 is going to be a long way away, but in, Je in John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? And we will find throughout this, Jesus continues to reveal who he is, and you can pick up on these different elements of his life and his mission that he's come here on this earth for us. Now, let me go back for just a second. That word that I said, uh, abide or stay, if you hold on to my teaching, that's the same Greek word that you'll find in John 15, where he talks about abide in me. Over and over, Jesus tells us to hold on to him, to hold on to his word. And I thought about this week as I was thinking, of way, I tried to find ways, how do you make this practical? What should they tell them to do? Should they read their Bibles more? I looked it up this week. You know what the average Christian reads his Bible or her Bible per day? I was really surprised. I, I, I was frankly, frankly, I was a little bit uh, convicted. You didn't get that joke. Yeah, some of you, some of you. The average Christian is somewhere around 25 to 30 minutes a day. Say, so, well, <laughs> we're doing pretty good. Well, I don't know. How much TV do you watch every day? How much time do you spend on social media every day? How much time do you watch the news? All the things that define the way you think and the way you interact versus the one who wants you to see the truth and wants you to see his way. Abide in him, and through that commitment to follow him, I believe that his truth, his word, will be lived out in all that you do as well. So, come back to the Advent wreath. Uh, I know that in our email that Dan sends out faithfully each week, and uh, we thank so much Cynthia actually looks them and <laughs> looks them over, because Dan will send it to me, and I'll find nothing, and he hadn't found anything, and Cynthia found like 15 things wrong in it, and say, well, you guys obviously can't write. Well, we know that. That's why we sent it to you. But uh, there should be a, a hyperlink in the one this week to a drop-down for a Advent reading from the International Mission Board. 
uh, Lottie Moon that we have talked about, you saw the video clip, that is our annual offering at Christmas time. And we'll talk more about Lottie each week, you know. I still find it humorous that our denomination, which is often thought is to be um, male-centric, our, our two foundational missionaries are women. Yeah. Go girls, right? When the guys won't do it, Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon are the two major offerings that we, you know, dedicate to these two women who, who spread the good news of Jesus. But um, if you haven't got an Advent uh, reading plan, do one. It will help you, though, some of the things I talked to you about, slowing you down. It will help you stay in the Word. It will help you hold on to this message of Jesus. Maybe you have an Advent calendar, and, you know, when we were stationed in Germany, they were at the grocery I mean, they may have them at the grocery stores here. I probably don't look that often. Uh, but we would get them, and our kids would eat all the candy out, you know. You're supposed to open one today and get a little piece of candy, open two tomorrow, get a little candy. And we just open it all up and then throw the thing away. But if you could pace yourself with at least one or two thoughts about Christ coming to this world and the fact that he's coming again. I think it will change your mindset on what this Christmas message is all about and hopefully motivate you to hold on and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Stand with me, please, as we pray. Father, as we come now to this time of invitation, I pray that we have not let go. I pray that our hands have not held on to the evil things or the wicked things. I pray that our hands have not held on to too many things and somehow you have fallen out of our hand. And I'm reminded, Lord, that if we are in your hands, nothing shall take you from the palm of your hand. So we go from this forward, from this place, hand in hand with you, but Lord, if this invitation time, if there's someone who has never come to that understanding of who Jesus is, if they've never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray during this invitation moment that they would step forward. We can pray together. Perhaps they just want to come to these uh, steps and, and pray. Maybe there's something that they've been carrying that they need to let go of. That way they can have a stronger grip on your son, Jesus. Whatever it is, I know that we have prayer warriors that will come and gather by their side and pray with them. Lord, I'm so thankful for this message of who your son proclaims him to be to us and how it is alive today just as it was alive and causing those to think about their entitlement and relying on the fact that somebody went to church back in the day. No, it, it comes down to our relationship with you. And if our relationship with you is not correct right now, I pray that in this invitation time, we would take the steps towards you that you might restore in us that clean heart. Help us to turn from our wicked ways and follow Jesus. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.